world. It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Lockdown Blazers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, available wherever you got podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen. Coming at you each and every weekday, Monday through Friday. So tell your friends about it. Make it a part of your daily routine. Make your first listen to Lockdown Blazers, your team, every day. In today's show... Some bummer news to kick off the program. Shaden Sharp is set for surgery. Try to say that four times fast. Sharp's likely done for the season. You know, I guess there's a world in which he comes back, but it seems pretty unlikely considering where they're at and where he'll be at uh, as the season ticks down. His season is likely done. We'll talk about how he got here, his season, and and what it means for the Blazers. Uh, I think this has real implications for the trade de- the trade deadline. I think all of the, the Blazers aren't going to trade Malcolm Brogdon stuff. It's kind of coming into much clearer focus now. And then I want to talk about what I think is the most important part of the remainder of the season. Knowing that Shaden Sharp won't be back, my what I believe is the most important focus for the Blazers to find out for the remainder of this year. That's what we'll talk about to close the show. But first, let's talk about Sharp. The Blazers on Tuesday released the following press release. During Sharp's ramp up, they just called him Sharp, not Shane Sharp in press release. During Sharp's ramp up in basketball activities to return to play, he experienced worsening worsening of symptoms Due to his lack of progression, it has been determined that Sharp will undergo corrective surgery to address a core muscle injury. Surgery is tentatively planned for later this week. A timeline for return to play will be determined once surgery is completed. That word salad means that Shaden Sharp's season is likely done. He's been dealing with uh, an abductor strain, and now they're calling a core injury. You know, the abductor strain is your groin Um it's all it's all in the middle kind of connected in there uh, and now they're calling it you know um they're to address address a core muscle injury i don't know enough about science but i i don't i think this is the same thing that he's been dealing with and it's been uh hanging around since even before christmas uh he popped up first on the injury report just before the december 19th game against the phoenix suns questionable abductor strain it's like no oh, i didn't know he was hurt and that's the first time we heard of it in public. He played eight minutes that that, that game, December 19th, against uh, the Phoenix Suns. He played one shift in the first quarter, sat out at the end of the bench. Clearly wasn't, you know, it's like, oh, he's, he's not coming back in. He must be hurt. Must be the groin thing. Uh, he misses the next five games. Bummer. You know, it's like... At the time, you just want him to get healthy, right? You just want him to get healthy um, and... and the Blazers didn't initially announce a timeline. It was like, yeah, he, he hopefully he'll be back soon. He misses five games, about just shy of two weeks. And uh, and he finally returns, or does return, finally. He returns about 12 days later, uh, January 1st, and he played the, in the next six games. He started on a, on a minutes restriction. Like he was coming off the bench. He wasn't playing, uh, you know, he was playing under half the game, you know, under 24 minutes. They didn't make it clear. The, the uh, Chauncey Billups doesn't say what the minutes restriction is. He just says minutes restriction and then the guys play and we have to guess what the number is. That's fine. Uh, so like he was probably right in that 22 to 24 range. He was playing about in the 22 to 24 range the first couple games. But then in, in a game against Brooklyn on the on on the that brutal road trip in early January, he played really well, had 21 points. The game went to overtime. He played 40 minutes and you thought like, Oh, Shea might be back. Like he might be ready to go, and they've obviously taken the cap off his minutes and letting him play a whole bunch. And this is great. You know, if it doesn't go overtime, he played down the stretch of the fourth quarter. Would play thirty-five minutes, like big-time starters minutes, because they needed him, and he was good, and he deserved to play. And he was like, "Okay, yay, he's back." 
Then he played two more games, and he left the follow. He left the game a couple days later uh, that, at, against OKC on January 11th. That was a game Blazers lost by 60. Um, he he left in the third quarter and has not played since. And now the Blazers, uh, a couple weeks later, you know he was he had a at the time it was like he'll be reevaluated in two weeks when the Blazers uh, released their. Last week, they 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 gave an update, and it was like he's ramping up to to doing on court activities, but a timeline will be uh, it, like more updates will be shared when appropriate. I believe was the language, and that's never good. It's never good when it's like he'll be reevaluated in two weeks. He's been reevaluated. We're not telling you anything else. Like it, um, it's just it seems like he was going to be out for an extended period of time, and now you kind of know it's like he. He got, they tried to get him back out there and he just wasn't right. And the most important thing he can do is get right in this season. Like the, the, there's no reason to push it. There's no reason to let him uh, get back there. There's no reason to like, there's no reason to chase it. You just don't need to chase it with Shane Sharp. What you need Shane Sharp to be is healthy in the fall. In his third NBA season, you need him to be really stinking good. Like that's, that's the plan with this team. You know, he, he finished this year averaging 15.9 points, a career high, five rebounds, a career high, 2.9 assists, a career high in 32 games. Started 25 of them. Shot was a little bit worse with more volume, 40% from the floor, 33% from three, but did shoot better from the free throw line, 82.3%. There was a stretch. There was a stretch there in, in December when he was cooking five straight games of at least 25 points and it was I I think that might have been the most fun stretch of the season was when it was like you know what Shaden Sharp might be that dude five games implies that there's 77 other games like I get it uh but like there was a there was a there was a stretch and you could see it and it's like once you do it three times you're on this you're on the scouting report right it's like he's had 25 and three straight games we have to deal with him and he came back and had you know a couple others um and then whether the injury kind of caught up with him and he just like never was the same it's hard to know exactly when um when it you know, when it was, when it started bothering him, but we know that, you know, the week before Christmas, he was on the injury report. So he's been dealing with it at least since then. And he would, he didn't, um, when he returned to play, he was not, um, always the best version of himself. And that might've been injury. That might've been new, you know, new circumstances on the team, whatever it might be. But like, there was a stretch when he was really stinking good, a brief stretch, a brief glimpse. We've now had two of these brief glimpses of, of Shane Sharp in his, in his two seasons where it's like, yeah, that, like that. If he could do that every night, he's really special. He's 20 years old. You want him to get right, get healthy. Um, my my preliminary research on, on a core muscle um, injury and core muscle surgery, it's, it's like... I, it, we, I don't know what the procedure is called, so it's, it's not the best use of internet searches, but um, Drew Holiday was projected at about six weeks. Damon Lillard was projected about six to eight weeks. Um, Nazir Little was projected about six weeks, and then and then full recovery when, when the Blazers, uh, when, he, when he underwent a, this, a similar procedure. Those are all similar procedures of a sort of recent vintage. Um, Sharp could conceivably in six weeks be available at the tail end of the season. I... I, w- I wouldn't be against it. I like watching him play, but I don't see a lot of upside in bringing him out for the final, you know, six games of this season. The Blazers can do whatever they want. Shane Sharp can do whatever they want. But I would, I would, I would assume that they err on the the uh, the side of caution, and that this is the last we've seen of him, and that stinks. That stinks. 
because he's fun to watch. Yeah, I, I really do think that five-game stretch was about as most fun as as they've been all season. You know, they're playing better now. They've they're starting to win them. Um, you know, play more more competitive basketball regularly of relate. So maybe they'll they'll pass it up over the next handful of games, and I'll say like, you know what, that stretch right around the All Star break was really fun. Um, but like. It, you know, injuries stink. They're part of the game, but they stink. Every you know, every year teams deal with it, and and it's it's, it's a real bummer. And and Sharp was going to be a bright spot for this season, and it's just it stinks. It stinks. It has real on court implications, though. Like it has on it has on court implications, and it has some off court implications as well. Uh, as covered at length yesterday, the Blazers. Um, have been reportedly not not super, uh, basically have, have sent all the signals to everyone that they possibly can that they do not want to trade Malcolm Brogdon. And Shaden Sharp's injury coming becoming public today, obviously the Blazers probably knew this before they told us, uh, like that kind of puts it into focus why they would be resistant to trade Malcolm Brogdon. I am, you know, on the record that I think the Blazers should try to move Brogdon um, for sort of numbers crunch when everyone is healthy reasons. When everyone's not healthy, the numbers crunch doesn't exist. But I will say this. Shaden Sharp's injury should not dictate their willingness or pursuit of a Malcolm Brogdon trade. It just shouldn't it just shouldn't be part of the calculation. Only one thing should be part of the calculation. The market. Let's talk about the market. Let's talk about Shaden Sharp. Let's talk about Malcolm Brogdon. Let's talk about the trade deadline. Here we are in trade deadline week. But first, let me tell you about eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. It's what brings home the winning trophy. It's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers to roof racks to exhaust kits to LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed or power or style, eBay Motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts to choose from. For your ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, baby, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into an MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Today's show is also brought to you by the good folks at Prize Picks. Is daily fantasy made easy? America's number one sports app with over 30 million members. It's the easiest, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. You pick more than or less than on a two or six player stat projections. And then you watch the winnings roll in. And right now at Prize Picks, it's demon time. You can win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. You could turn $10 into $1,000. Okay, here's how it works. Demons and goblins are the new most exciting way to play over at Prize Picks. The squares that are marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And you can now win up to 100 times your money with just four of those picks. So look for the little demons. Look for those little goblins when you're making your entry. Go get your money. And how you, how you go get your money is go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA. They'll match you dollar for dollar on your first deposit up to 100 bucks. It's prize picks, daily fantasy made easy. Oh. 
right. So uh, if you're an everydayer, you know that yesterday's show was all about uh, the Blazers and uh, some extensive reporting about how the Blazers weren't interested in playing in, in um, trading Malcolm Brogdon. And today on NBA Today, Adrian Wojnarowski joined the, the chorus of folks saying that the Blazers are not expected to move Malcolm Brogdon at the trade deadline. And I have said a bunch, but I'll repeat it again here because some of you aren't everydayers and some of you are just bad at listening. <laughs> Choose, choose who you are. Uh, identify yourself in that in that sentence. Uh, but um, it's the Blazers don't. If the Blazers don't trade Malcolm Brogdon, it's not the friggin' end of the world. It's not like the it's not the the greatest tragedy that has ever befallen a basketball team. I am of the belief that they should pursue it. But one of the main reasons I was of that belief was because when healthy, there's numbers crunch. Minutes for Amphrey Simons and minutes for Shaden Sharp and minutes for Scoot Henderson. Um, you want to prioritize all those guys playing, particularly down the stretch run of the season and having Malcolm Brogdon maybe, you know, eat into their minutes is maybe overstated, but like be on the court at the end of games when you'd rather just, I, me in my personal opinion, would just rather have the young guys out there fail, figure figure out how they fail. Or moreover, if, if you're protecting them from failure and saying, okay, we're going to have Malcolm Brogdon kind of steady the ship and all these things. Um, when they do play well, not being able to like properly reward them and get and get your young guys on the court seems like um, the like a misuse of this, particularly the stretch run of the season. And so I, I was a big proponent of trading Malcolm Brogdon. That doesn't exist. And I've said it a bunch. With three guards, there is no numbers crunch. With four guards, there's a numbers crunch. With three, you need three guards. In fact, the Blazers are kind of light on guards. Um, they'll, they should probably look to add one. They got to add some 10-day guys here in the future. And then maybe they'll add someone to a two-way contract should they convert Duop Reith to a to a uh regular NBA deal, which I believe they will. So like, yeah, they, they could use just like more dudes who could dribble on the roster straight up. But, um, I, I think it's pretty clear now with all of the reporting that's out there and with this Shaden Sharp news that has, has struck that the Blazers don't want to trade, uh, Malcolm Brogdon because they're going to need him to play. They need him. They need him, and they and they appreciate his competence, and they appreciate what he brings. Like he's good. I, I I feel like I've said this a million times, but again, not everyone listens every day, and not everyone's a good listener. He's good. Like that. That's one of the things about him. He's helpful. Um, I'm not anti. I'm not anti helpful or anti winning. I just. For me, this season is about gathering as many data points about the young Blazers moving forward as possible. More on that later in the show. But it seems like they're not going to trade him. It seems like they're not going to trade him. It seems like all, all the signs point to not trading him. And, and again, it's not a catastrophe. Uh, as I mentioned on yesterday's show, and we'll go do this quickly, Like the the, the market is likely to change uh, in the summertime, and there might be there might be better and more deals out there as there's a bunch of teams that are going to be expensive. Um, and the new CBA is going to be more, um, there's just, there's, it's harder if you, if you are a particularly expensive team, they maybe need to, to move around. There's some more, um, for apron teams, uh, teams in the first and second apron, those are teams like way into the tax. There's, there might be some incentives to move around because there are some, some more hindrances to building a roster and maybe that those teams are more willing to make trades then. And then there's, um, you know, after the 2024 draft, maybe teams are, are willing to trade picks into the future in 25 and 26. And the Blazers don't really need 2024 draft picks, right? They have two likely to have two first rounders. They have their own and they're very likely to have the, uh, the Warriors draft pick because the Warriors aren't very good. And they have two second rounders. Like they don't need a fifth rookie in this draft class. So Sure. All of that. Totally true. Totally fair. I've kind of laid it out a bunch of times. Probably going to have to stop talking about it because I'm wearing myself out with repeating the sort of Malcolm Brogdon logic that I've walked um, you, dear listener, through several times. And I, I, I'm, not, I'm not confused by it. 
I maybe just disagree with it. That's kind of what this is. The, Shane, the Blazers aren't going to trade Malcolm Brogdon now that Shane Sharp got hurt, and for, for obvious reasons, and for, for, very, for very logical reasons. But I think the only thing that should dictate the, whether the Blazers don't trade Malcolm Brogdon in the next two days, and they're not going to anyway, so it doesn't matter, but the only thing that should dictate whether they don't trade Malcolm Brogdon in the next two days is the market. If the market for Malcolm Brogdon stinks, don't you don't need to rush out and take a bad trade. The market for Malcolm Brogdon stinks now. It's probably not likely to get wholly different in the summertime, but it could be different, and 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 a little bit different is maybe worth waiting for, right? Um, and and man, chasing down a bad deal now is like is is not particularly valuable. And I don't I don't pretend to know all the deals out here. I'm not I'm not going to. I'm not going to even like kick up fake trades that I think are likely to have. And the, the fake trades I kind of, the, the like two teams that I've identified often on the podcast and I think are the most speculated teams for Malcolm Brogdon's suitor would be the Orlando Magic and, um, and the New York Knicks. It, it would be in my mind, and I'm sure the Blazers have talked to these teams, in my mind, it would be malpractice not to at least call call them again and figure out what the deal is heading up to the trade deadline. Like, I understand why they wouldn't make a deal with Shaden Sharp Hurt, right? Because they need Malcolm Brogdon. They need him every night. They're going to need him to play a lot every night, 30 minutes every night. They're going to need him. They're going to absolutely need him. But you're allowed to trade for guards, that's po- totally legal. You're allowed to trade for guards. You could trade for a player at his position that's younger and cheaper. You got the Blazers out of tax in the future. You could trade for sort of, um, you know, if you get a pick down the line. Like I said, they don't need 2024 picks, but you're allowed to trade for picks in future drafts. Maybe those aren't available. And again, that's the market. If the play, if the the thing that should dictate the Blazers' decision making is not the health of Shaden Sharp and is not the um, desire to be competent over the final 25 games of the regular season. The thing that should dictate what the Blazers do is the market for Malcolm Brogdon. If there is a good trade out there, they should not balk at it in order to be a little bit better this season. Um, you know, I think there's an idea that Malcolm Brogdon provides a great deal of, of, of valuable leadership, and I, I'm sure that he does, right? I, I've seen him out there, particularly talking to Shaden Sharp. They seemed like they had a really good um, so it seemed like they had a really good uh, rep- uh, rapport, and 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 Malcolm Brogdon is a pros pro. He says the right things. He's fun to talk to in the locker room. Although I have I don't have a super close relationship with him by any means. I've talked to him like three times, but like he's a he's an absolute the the the, uh, the professionals professional the pros pro, uh, like good dude. You'd want him in the locker room. Has some value there for sure, but. If a better trade is there, Malcolm Brogdon has, will have spent 50-some games with the Blazers, right? Um, he's done it. He's, he's done his work. And I'll say this, and, and I, will, um, I will complain about this a bunch. This is what I do on the podcast. I complain a little bit. Uh, but like, if Malcolm Brogdon clandestinely gets a... The thing he's been listed out with recently is a knee contusion. If he if that knee contusion flares up and he clandestinely misses the final eight games of the regular season and the Blazers play some like random 10-day guys off the bench, what are we doing? <laughs> you ain't got to lie to kick it. Like, it's it's fine. The market should dictate the Malcolm Brogdon deal. And if there's no market out there, don't trade him. 
figured out in the offseason. I don't think it would make sense necessarily to bring him back specifically next year, but that's a problem for the, the summer and the fall. It's not a problem for right now. Right now is just like, I think the Blazers have kind of deaded all Brogdon trade talks because for the obvious reasons, they, they value what he's going to do on the court for them the rest of the season. I just want to say that shouldn't do it. The thing that should do it is the, the inability to get a good trade, the inability to get a good deal. If you can't get a good deal, don't do it. And we might never find out what the deals are, right? Like we might never find out, but like not calling teams that might be interested because you value what Malcolm Brogdon's going to do in a season where you're going to finish with one of the eight worst records in the NBA seems ludicrous to me. Not a crime, but ludicrous nonetheless. So you might be saying, Mike, what, why are you, what, what are you so obsessed with? Hopefully you're not. Hopefully you listen regularly and you know what I'm obsessed with. I'm obsessed with seeing the Scoot Henderson and Free Simons pairing play together. And with Malcolm Brogdon on the roster, you can still get a whole bunch of that. That's He's not going to stand in the way. Again, there is no numbers crunch standing in the way. But the number one thing I want to see for the remainder of the season is not Malcolm Brogdon's high level of competence. I want to see as much data as we possibly can on Scoot Henderson and Anthony Simons playing together in a backcourt next to a normal-sized front line and not in three-guard lineups so you can figure out what that looks like into the future. That's the most important thing. Let's talk about that and why I think it's the most important thing in the third and final segment of the show. First, let me tell you about Game Time, the spot for last-minute tickets. They're the ticketing app that gives you the complete peace of mind with your purchase. You know, if you're going to go to a sporting event and Blazers games down the stretch and sometimes you're kind of like, how are we going to get tickets? Or maybe you decide day of and you're and you're kind of like panic on panicking on what sort of marketplace you're going to go. You're going to pursue them in. Why not check out game time? What I like about it is that one, you can get your tickets in like two taps. It's just a mirror. You pull it up on pull it up on your phone, pull the app up on your phone. You see you search Blazers. You see the Moda Center. You see the ticket price. You click on it. You click you click gimme and they will be emailed to you in in matter of moments. Plus, their all-in pricing shows you the total up front. So you're not going to like get a surprise convenience fee. If it says it costs you $78, it's going to cost you $78. So why not take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime? Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Uh, terms apply. Again, create an account, use that redemption code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond, and you are still listening to Locked On Blazers. The thing I want to see for the remainder of the season is as many minutes as possible with Scoot and Ant, Scoot Henderson and Anthony Simons on the court together, playing next to like normal front lines. So like Matisse Thibel, Jeremy Grant, DeAndre Ayton. Not not three guard lineups, not small lineups that are like. Oh, wow, this three-guard lineup is getting absolutely French fried because they're too small. I think we kind of know, like, the league is getting bigger. Big, maybe not even getting bigger. The league prioritizes size on the wings. That's absolutely true. Some teams are small in the, at center and small at point guard, but that, that two, three, and four spots, length is prioritized. So don't go small at the three if you're already going to be a little bit small at the two. Play normal lineups with Ant and Scoot together. It's the number one thing I want to see for the remainder of the season. 
To Chauncey Billups' credit, more recently, as Shaden Sharp has missed the last 13 games and will miss the re- very likely the remainder of the season, or at least a bunch more, six-plus weeks, and we'll see what the timeline looks like uh, when the Blazers, if the Blazers give us a specific update at following surgery later this week. But uh, with, with uh, Shaden Sharp out, and with Scoot Henderson undeniably playing better of late, I think bringing him off the bench has allowed him to build some confidence. I was I was against it early in the season, and un, undeniably he's been better off the bench, and it has been useful for him, and perhaps an NBA franchise knows a little bit more than some doofus in his basement. But um, I'm here to give opinions and thoughts and try to walk you through at least my logic, even if it is not yours. Uh, and, 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 Scoot and Ant have played together more recently, and Scoot's shooting a little bit better recently, and that pairing has been, um, at least they've leaned on it more often, and there's been some nights when it's been good. On Friday night against the Denver Nuggets, it was good. Like, they both played well together and shared the court and played, and played, both were able to play well and be on the court at the same time. Not like, Scoot played well, then Ant came in, and Scoot didn't do anything, or Scoot went back to the bench. Like, it's possible. But, on the whole, it's been bad. <laughs> like, undeniable. The, 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 the reason that the Blazers avoided it, and I think they really tried to, um, you know, give Scoot his a, a good run in the starting lineup, and then eventually, like, this doesn't work. We got to get you out of there and move um, and move him to the bench. In part was, to, you know, maybe to d- build up Scoot's confidence, but really uh, the other, like, side of this that I think this needs to be clearly, clearly um, uh, covered is, like, they did it because Ant was not able to be his best self without more time with the ball in his hand and without more space on the court. The number one thing I want you to watch, um, you know, some of you probably picked this up, but uh, Scoot isn't necessarily always standing in the corner. Oh, Scoot's like a really bad cutter off the ball. And it's not very good at either, but Scoot is like really bad at cutting. Uh, hopefully he, he figures that out um, moving forward in the future. He just kind of gets, sometimes he just kind of gets lost or doesn't finish his cut and he's kind of standing in no man's land. But He'll be on the wing, uh, so like foul line extended on either the right side or the left side. Watch Scoots, man. That dude will be all the way pulled in to the nail or to the foul line, to like the middle of the court, all the way pulled in. Even with Scoot shooting better recently and playing better recently, te- teams still don't respect that. They they really sag off of him, and that crowds the court and makes it harder for Ant, makes it harder for DeAndre, and makes it harder for everybody, right? Um, on the year with both Scoot and Anthony Simons on the court. The Blazers have a net rating of minus 21.9, according to cleaningtheglass.com. All the stats I'm about to read you are from Cleaning the Glass, uh, the indispensable stats website from Ben Falk. Minus 21.9. So that means they are outscored on our, uh, by 21.9 points per 100 possessions, normalized for 100 possessions. Their offensive rating, 107.5, extremely bad. Their defensive rating, 129.4, extremely bad. They're both bad on offense and bad on defense on the whole with them together. And if you separate them, the team plays better. With just Anthony Simons and no Scoot Henderson, the minutes where it's just Ant and no Scoot on the court, the Blazers have a minus 5.7 net rating. Now scored by about 5.7 points per 100 possessions. The Blazers aren't good, right? Like they're not a good basketball team right now. And they're, they're, they're super, super, super young. They have six guys who are rookies and sophomores. they got a bunch of young players. They're supposed to be this, right? So, um, they're supposed to be this. So it's not like they're going to be like, oh, this unlocks them and makes them good. This is just normal bad, right? They're just bad. 5.7 points per 100 possessions. A normal bad team. Um, defense still pretty, pretty, pretty stinky. 119.1 uh, offense, 113.4 significantly better on offense, significantly better on defense with just Ant on the court. With just Scoot and the minutes that Amphrey Simon sits, 111.1 offensive rating, 115.6 defensive rating, and a minus 3.8 
uh, net rating. They're outscored by 3.8 points per 100 possessions. Again, normal bad. They're a little better with just than the just scoop minutes. They're a little worse on offense and a little better on defense. Every time has been bad on defense this year. He's probably just a bad defensive player. That's that. He's got to be really good on offense to make up for it. That'll be his quest moving forward. The two of them together is stinky. But who cares about stinky? We've made it to the point in the season when you got to figure out whether it works. And you might say, Mike, it's obvious it doesn't work. I, I, I think, in general, probably too early to draw that conclusion, but I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> like, I think it's, I, that might be a safe bet, right? That might be a safe bet, um, that, that that duo doesn't play together. And you can look at a team like uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. And when Darius Garland missed some time, they kind of figured out what their identity was going to be with Donovan Mitchell. And now that Darius Garland is back... Um, J.B. Bickerstaff does a really good job of this, staggering their minutes. They don't play very much together. They Darius Garland goes to the bench early, comes back with the second unit. Uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell gets to cook. They you know they play basically the first six minutes of each half together, and then they close games. Like it, they they play you know thirteen minutes together all game long, or like and and each of them still play in the in that thirty plus range. Like he does a really good job of separating them. The Blazers could handle the Scoot and Anthony Simons pairing like that to some extent moving forward but they got to find out if it's kind of okay first and they got to do that by playing them together and I believe they will and for me the most important thing to watch for the remainder of the season is those minutes together with them it's been bad so far they've been a little bit better with with each of them playing alone without the other one next to Malcolm Brogdon and his high level of competence to be sure and hopefully I mean, not hopefully, I guess, but they'll, they're going to continue to do that. So we'll get to sort of see that, see that move forward. It would have been great to see them play with either of them, play with Shaden Sharp and actually like figure out the pairings. Cause to me, that was going to be the most interesting thing, but no Sharp, it's going to be just like, let's see them together. Let's see them together. Like I said, you might be right that it doesn't work, but if it doesn't work, and, and I think again, safe bet, right? It hasn't been good so far and they don't seem to mesh because the best version of Manfrey Simons has the ball in his hands and gets to dribble. And the best version of Scoot Henderson has the ball in his hands and gets to dribble. And Scoot is maybe never going to be a shooter. And Amphrey Simons is um, too small to play full-time shooting guard. Like he's just not, he's just not big enough or physical enough to play full-time shooting guard. So like he's a, he's probably a one, um, you know, like he's a scoring, he's a scoring point guard. And Scoot Henderson is just like point guard sized. Might be, might, you might be right that they don't work together. But if they don't work together, that is a much larger organizational issue that they will have to find out down the line. And why not get as much data as you possibly can in the season where they're not trying to be particularly good and losing wouldn't be that bad? You know, they, they probably don't want to get shelled. In, in January when they were just getting shelled, it was bad news. They probably want to have some level of confidence, of competence. And I'm okay with that, I guess. But that's like, that doesn't bother me that they want to be okay. Um, but... I would prioritize getting as many minutes of Scoot and Amphrey Simons together so you can see it and you can have it on tape and you can figure it out and then you can make adjustments and try to get better and like trust your coaching staff to make adjustments and all of those things. And if you can't do that, if it just doesn't work and if it's clearly untenable like it has been to date, then you have a lot of data that suggests here's the thing we got to do next. And the thing you got to do next is straighten out the roster. Find out now. Don't wait. That's going to do it for today's show. 
How about we come back and do it tomorrow? Um, tomorrow we'll be looking ahead to the trade deadline. It doesn't sound like the Blazers are going to do anything. Um, so we'll round up the latest news of uh, Scoot Henderson's on the rising stars game. He's going to play for Tamika catchings team. That's fun. Um, maybe we'll talk about that. Now we'll round up the latest news, talk more blazer stuff. It's what we do five days a week, uh, wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.